Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. All righty, so high schoolers in Oregon apparently uh, won't need to demonstrate basic competency in reading, writing, or math in order to graduate. Right, which is like no different than currently, I believe, right? Isn't that already the case? I thought so, pretty much. So, um, well, no, there's... They're delaying implementation of some standards for another five years because, according to education officials, such requirements are unnecessary and disproportionately harm students of color. This is what George W. Bush called famously the the soft bigotry of low expectations. Right? What, What are you saying? That... That because of somebody's skin color, they cannot learn. They can't. They can't pass reading, writing, math. They can't pass these subjects. They can't be tested on those subjects. They're not expected to know those subjects. By the way, what kind of life are you creating for these students? Right when they arrive at the door with their, as Rush would call it, their young skulls full of mush. Your response is not to mold the matter inside the skull, but to just allow it to stay mushy and then give them a diploma and send them out and they cannot read and they cannot write and they cannot perform math. Christine Drazen or Drazan, Drazan, Drazan. Anyway, she told Fox News, quote, at some point, our diploma is going to end up looking a lot more like a participation prize than an actual certificate that shows that somebody actually is prepared to go pursue their best future. She's the former gubernatorial candidate in Oregon. She was a Republican, so of course she lost, but she she came close. But she's been leading this charge. The essential skills requirement in Oregon has been put on pause because COVID. So these are essential skills, and this is a requirement, but they put it on pause because of the pandemic. And last week, the Oregon State Board of Education was uh, looking to re-implement it, looking to put it in place. But, yeah, no, no. I guess because of equity and racism and discrimination and institutional racism and maybe some white supremacy. I don't know. The uh, Oregon State Board of Education voted unanimously to continue suspending the graduation requirement through 2028. Under the requirement, 11th graders had to demonstrate competence in essential subjects through a standardized test, or work samples. Like, okay, well, you put together a portfolio or something. 
students who failed to meet the expectations were required to then take extra math and writing classes in their senior year. And so they wouldn't be able to take, I guess there's a, uh, an elective class where you get to pick, you know, and I, I remember, I, I think I had something like that. I mean, there was very, it was a very limited offering in my high school. I don't even remember what the subjects were. Thanks. Um, I don't remember what the subjects were, but the um, but they, there was like two or three you could pick from. I think they were like an art class. Maybe one of them was like an art class, an in, you know design class or something like that. I don't remember. Um, but you miss out the elective class, and you have to take the math or writing class because you didn't score well enough. Board members said that the standards were unnecessary and harmed marginalized students since higher rates of students of color, students with disabilities, and students learning English as a second language ended up having to take the extra step to prove they deserved a diploma. Well, the extra step there, it's not a matter of... The the step, yeah, I'm hearing something in the audio. You heard it too? It's like there's an open mic someplace. Which should be fun for all involved. Um, the uh, uh, this okay. The uh, this uh, uh, argument that they have to prove they deserve a diploma—that is what the diploma is, right? It, it it's proof that you deserve it. That's why you get it. Otherwise, you could not go to school or not pass all of the classes and not get the diploma, right? As far as I know, that's how it's always worked. And you're not here. You didn't hear that either. I don't know if it's you. Is it you, Bernie? Oh, all right. It could be Bernie. Is that music playing? Oh, you may be cutting something up. Ah, all right. That's all right. Well, I don't know why it's coming through my headset. That's weird. Um, so the uh, this idea, though, that you've got to uh, pass the certain uh, bare minimum of classes, and then you uh, can't do that, so you get you get a chance to make it up. That's what the extra class is for. You lose the elective period. You then have to take, let's say you, let's say you, you failed math. You then get a chance to take it again, to do it again. And theoretically, it should be easier the second time around. And I say that as one who had to take statistics three times in college. Three times. And by the third time, well, so there are a couple of reasons for this, actually, because where I went to college at Winthrop University at the time, and I don't know if this is still the case, there was, there, there was some depart, there was interdepartmental arguments. It was basically the math department against everybody else, as far as I understood it at the time. I don't, again, I don't know if that was true, and I don't know if it's still the case, but at the time, a lot of departments were not happy with the math department because of some of the, uh, the, the high standards that they had set, and uh, one of them being uh, that you you had to take statistics, uh, which I wanted to take, but you had to do it. You had to learn all the formulas, and I could never re- I could never memorize. I could never remember all of the different formulas necessary to to solve all the problems. And oh, I just didn't take tests well. No, I uh, I couldn't memorize the formulas. I could never remember them. And um, 
because it just looked like like Egyptian hieroglyphics. I'm not saying that in a culturally appropriating kind of way either. I'm just it literally to me just looked like like just stuff up on a wall, a foreign language, which I guess it kind of is a foreign language now that I think about it. But the point here was that I eventually had to go to uh, York Technical College, York York Tech in uh, York County, South Carolina, which is where Winthrop University is in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So I w- so a summer class I went to York Tech because the 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 grade did not transfer, but the course credit did. So I could go take statistics at York Tech. And on the very first day, the professor says a requirement of the class is to have a Texas Instrument 91 calculator, graphing calculator, because it has all of the formulas programmed into it. And so I borrowed a friend of mine. He had one. I borrowed his. And I ended up with, and then the professor would give us like extra credit on the tech uh, on the tests, you could do extra credit questions, and if you got them right, you got more points. So I I would always do those two, and the last, like I did not need to even I didn't because the 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 grade didn't transfer, just the course credit. And I by the time of the uh, end of the semester came around, the end of the summer class came around, I did not need to take the last test or quiz of the year. I did not take uh, need to take the final. And I said, look, like, how about I just not show back up? Because there was an attendance requirement. And I said, how about I just not show up? I have like a 130-point average. Uh, my grade in the class was like 130. Like, I'm getting, and the only thing that transfers is anything over a C. So I don't need to be here. You got, you got my money. I don't need to be in this class. Like, look, you know, I don't like this class. It doesn't really like me. And by the class, I mean you. It's fine. Like, we could just go our separate ways. <laughs> And uh, uh, they said no. So I had to finish out the class. But I literally walked into the final exam. I signed my name and I handed it in and I walked out because I didn't. I, I had learned everything that I needed to learn to get the course credit because I had the calculator. And you were not allowed to have the calculator at Winthrop in the math classes because I took it twice and I could not pass it unless I got the calculator. How did I get onto this? Oh, was that I had to take it in order to prove that I had mastery of the subject. Now, I guess the Winthrop math department would say I did not because I never memorized all the formulas. But I still know how to use a Texas Instrument 91 calculator. And and I know what the statistics mean. I know what the terms mean. So that's mastery enough. But that's the point of the tests. You take the tests in order to show that you deserve the passing grade. This is not about skin color or anything else. But in Oregon, apparently it is. I do have a message here uh, on the Twitter machine. From Cirque de la Sol. It's a Pete tweet. Pete, why take valuable time learning to read, write, or calculate numbers when you'll be given a free phone, free money, and counseled on what pronoun and bathroom to use, all by being taught to hate the country providing this to you at no cost whatsoever? Teach your children well. Um, So this is uh, the story out of Oregon. So they used to have these standards in place that said if you, you had to have a basic mastery of, you know, reading and writing and math. And if you didn't, if you failed any of the classes, then you would have to take them in your senior year to make sure you had mastered the subject matter. Um, And they suspended this requirement during COVID because they were like, we definitely can't teach anybody this way. So they suspended the standards and uh, they were supposed to then re-implement it, like unsuspend it, right? So the Oregon State Board of Education 
voted unanimously to continue the suspension of the graduation requirement for another five years. So there's another five years, another generation of students that will not be forced to prove that they, uh, as the story says, deserve a diploma. Hundreds of people submitted public comments opposing the move and urged the board to reinstate the standards. Many of the comments were generated from a call to action by Christine Drazen and her advocacy group called A New Direction Oregon. And she was a she ran for governor, um, I think, last year. Yeah, last year. And she lost to the Democrat Tina Kotek by less than 4% of the vote. Now, the school board chair is somebody by the name of Guadalupe Martinez Zapata. And uh, she had previously described the opposition as a, quote, campaign of misinformation. As well as artistic quality mental acrobatics. Artistic quality mental acrobatics. Oh, so you were so close to a burn. So close there, Guadalupe. Or Lupe. Can I call you Lupe? Lupe? Can I call you Lupe? No. Okay. If only they weren't automatically discredited, she says, talking about the opposition, that they're automatically discredited by the myopic analysis and bigotry, yeah, you knew that was coming, that follows them. At a meeting in late September, she said that, quote, rhetoric about cultural and social norms being the underlying reason for underperformance on assessments by systemic, systemically marginalized students was reminiscent of racial superiority arguments. Except uh, one, one thing, speaking of uh, artistic quality mental acrobatics, uh, that you would be engaged in if uh, it was artistic or quality at all, uh, is that uh, the big difference there is that culture is chosen. You can change that. That's not an immutable characteristic. Right? Like America right now, for example, we have a victim culture where everybody's the victim. That's a, that's a different kind of culture than like an honor culture, right? I have this message from Alan out of Gastonia. He says, uh, Pete, when I took statistics in the 1970s, our professor said it was ludicrous to require memorizing the formulas as there are thousands of books we can look them up in whenever there is a need to use one. Pragmatic versus dogmatic. Precisely. Precisely, and so the the story I was telling earlier about my alma mater in the math department and the uh, the uh, friction, shall we say, between the math department and other departments was based on some of their requirements like this. And there were a lot of other departments that thought that the math department was kind of constraining, like acting as like an, a final arbiter. Like like me, I was a mass comm major. One of the requirements was statistics. Which makes sense, um, because if you're going to go into journalism of some kind or mass comm, you should know how statistics operate. So when you're looking at polling and, and that sort of thing, so I get all of that, and you know the the data crunching aspect of it is important. So I, I never objected to the the uh, the requirement as part of the diploma process, but when I cannot figure out how to memorize all of these different formulas, then and I keep failing the class. 
And then I go over to a different school and they're like, use this calculator. And now I get 130, you know, um, and I don't even have to take the final. Like that, 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 that pretty clearly illustrates the problem, right? With, with that kind of a standard. But um, I still had to pass the class. Still had to pass the, the statistics class. Now, if I couldn't pass it with the calculator, then no, I would not have deserved the diploma. And the purpose of testing and the purpose of, you know, showing mastery of the course material is so that you are prepared for when you leave the campus and you go on with your life and you go to get a job in the field that you are trying to get into. So this idea that um, it's bigotry to require high school graduates to know how to read, write, and, and do math is absurd. And the arguments that apparently the, um, the New Direction Oregon uh, action group, this, this grassroots group that formed in order to push for, the, uh, for these standards to remain in place, they were making arguments that, like, this is not due to race. This is not due to ethnicity. Right? The reason why there are what they used to call it the achievement gap. Now they call it the opportunity gap, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which is the, the performance differences between different demographics. White versus black, white versus Hispanic. Uh, no, I think Asian, I think they're whites now. I think they, are they white? I think they, I think, I'm not sure. So yeah, there's a cultural dynamic going on. And that's what the um, that's what the grassroots group was saying, and this is what the Oregon school board said. Oh, that's just bigotry. That's just uh, this is reminiscent of racial superiority arguments, which of course it's not, because the group that's making the argument that race is irrelevant, they're not they're not the bigots. That would be the Oregon school board saying that because of your race, then you can't perform. And we're not going to hold you to a minimum standard, which is then going to lead to a life of lower earning potential, less opportunity, fewer opportunities, I should say. Say that. That's a little bit of the English right there that I just employed or deployed. Probably deployed. The um, former gubernatorial candidate, Christine Drazen, said, quote, it's not bigoted, it's not racist to want your student to be able to actually learn. Right. Oregon has one of the lowest graduation rates compared to other states, according to Oregon Public Broadcasting. But OPB also says that it has among the most rigorous credit requirements until, I guess, they suspended these. Now, I just caught in the newscast there that... Charlotte Mecklenburg schools went about setting a standard that they would like to achieve by 2029. And they're really aiming high on this one. They want to, yep, they're, they say they want third graders to be at grade level. Third, remember, this is the whole school to prison pipeline thing that the leftists have been promoting and the educrats have been saying that, you know, if you don't, uh, you don't graduate or you're not at grade level uh, by the third grade, then, like, you're probably never going to be at grade level, probably not going to graduate or whatever, and you're probably going to end up in prison. Like, that's this is what this is what that whole philosophy kind of centers around. And by the way, you can track like the the you know lower earnings over a lifetime too, 
not being at grade level in third grade. This is a very critical year. Third grade, fifth grade is another one, but third grade is a very important year. And so right now we are at 30%. 30% of third graders are at grade level, meaning 70% are not. 70% of Charlotte-Mecklenburg third graders are not at grade level. They're falling behind. Their goal, by six years from now, this is, they're aiming for the stars, 50%. They would very much call it a success and goal achieved if they can get to half. If they could simply educate half of the kids to a third grade level by 2029 in six years. I don't know. It's it's aspirational. I mean, it's a very aggressive... So, and I've talked about this many times. This is, uh, there are two components, right? One of them is the disparate outcome, disparate impact. It's all throughout law. It's all throughout education stuff. It's this idea that, well, I'm going to look at these results and I'm going to say the reason why these results, I'm going to split them into racial camps. I'm going to say that these results prove institutional racism or oppressed oppressor uh, uh, dynamic. And therefore, we have to do something to create equity, shall we say. You got to do something to make sure that all of the 70% of the kids, I guess, don't feel bad about themselves in third grade, that they're not at grade level, rather than trying to address the issue. The other component here is that uh, there is a cultural mindset at play, and this is not strictly racial either. We have in America, modern day celebration of criminality we do of criminality of aloofness of uh dumbassery uh these are things that are not celebrated when compared to being educated although now that i'm saying that actually i'm wondering after what i just saw over the last two weeks and the various demonstrations on campus maybe we should not be actually celebrating that so okay um there was a, a, a related piece by Ian Rowe over at National Review several weeks ago. And the headline was, The Privilege Hiding in Plain Sight. You'll never guess what this privilege is. Well, maybe you will, but I'll tell you what it is. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Right, let me jump over here and get to the phone line. Here's Bart. Welcome to the program, Bart. How are you? How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing all right. What's up? Well, I was just listening to you um, talking about that CMS report that they just put out on reading, and I was actually going over that this morning and about choked on my morning coffee. Um, 
We have a uh, inner city ministry called West Boulevard Ministry that we serve the families and the children throughout the West Boulevard corridor. Mm. And we also have a reading program on Monday night. We have a, a mentoring program throughout the week, but we have 10 to 12 boys that come in on Monday night to get help with their reading through a program called I Ready. And they, they, that program gives you an assessment to tell you where they're at and, and uh, devises a program to fit that child and where they're at at that level. Um, we have an eighth grader in our program um, who reads on a third grade level. Mm-hmm. And when I went and talked to the to the school about it, um, and spoke with the principal because the child was did not he was not he did not have an IEP program and wanted to talk about why he didn't, and they only take the bottom ten percent, and they don't think he's in the bottom ten percent. He he, and they pulled this up on the computer, and I was in the office when they did it. Since kindergarten, the young man's in eighth grade now. He has been between the four and six percentile since kindergarten and he is going to high school next year. How does this young man continue to get passed through year after year, and he's still in the bottom 5%, 95% of the students in his grade uh, are at a higher proficiency in reading and comprehension than he is, and he's still there since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. That's criminal, Pete. Yeah. So what is the, so what is your, uh, what's the name of the organization again? West Boulevard Ministry. West Boulevard Ministry. Okay. Um, what is the so? What's y'all's approach um, in trying to get these kids back up to grade level? Well, you know, we're going to do what we can. I mean, you know, we we have a lot of kids that are involved in our mentoring program. Uh, we um, pencil in Monday night is the night of our reading program. We have a volunteer, a, a, a retired teacher, who comes over and. Uh, implements the program, and they spend an hour and a half to two hours with us going through um, the iReady program. And, you know, each one of their goals is to be up a grade level by Christmas. Um, you know, but we can't do it all, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I know that, you know, homes and parents need to be involved, but there's a subset of children out there throughout Charlotte whose parents aren't going to be involved, Pete. Right. They're just not. And, you know, it's the school and it's organizations like us that are that are pulling up the slack. But, you know, when it comes down to it, Pete, it's CMS. It's their responsibility to teach our children. That's where the tax dollars go. Right, so, and so are they doing you know, more harm than good by, by socially promoting, basically, moving the kid up to the next grade level, even though they're not meeting the minimum requirements? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a website or anything for people to get information? We sure do. It's West Boulevard, B-L-V-D, ministry.org. And we also have a Facebook page and Instagram page as well. And, you know, we're, we're about to go into a meeting over here at Harding High School. We do a lot of stuff over here as well. So we're just trying to do our part one day at a time, one child, one family at a time, to make a positive impact throughout Charlotte. So I'm assuming you guys always need volunteers to help out, too. We need the right volunteers, one that intentionally want to pour in. And it's, we're just not a sort of check-your-box type of ministry or nonprofit. We look for an investment. And, and what does that mean? Um, just from a time perspective, because it's, it's through intentional relationships, Pete, that things change. Mm-hmm. And, it's, um, and it's a time investment. And, it's, and everybody's rewarded in that, because when you come in with an open heart and an open mind and invest your time uh, to lift somebody up but also hold them accountable, you know, God can move mountains, Pete. We both know that. Right, and that's the that's the thing. Like, holding somebody to a standard, a kid. That's correct. It shows that you Absolutely. care. Yeah. It, otherwise, Absolutely. they get the they get it 
the message is received loud and clear that these adults in their lives do not care about their future or success. And that's, uh, I mean, just at an emotional level, at a personal level, that's got to be crushing. Uh, and the first person that comes along and says, no, you can do better. I expect more from you because your life Absolutely. has value and I'm going to look out for you and your future. And so you need to be able to do these things. Uh, and I, th- I mean, I imagine you guys have got... Uh, uh, how long? Well, I should ask. How long have you been doing it, and then what kind of success record do you have? Well, we've been in the inner city of Charlotte for eleven years. Um, I mean, I, I've been doing this type of work for eleven years. West Boulevard Ministry um, was birthed seven years ago. We'll we'll be eight years in March, and we have all kinds of wonderful success stories. And and Pete, you hit the nail on the head. It's about holding everybody to a high standard, expectations, high expectations. We are not a ministry or organization of low expectations. It starts with us. And, and that trickles down to the, the families we work with and holding them accountable and teaching different values. Um, because a lot of people say, oh, just those, those poor kids over in that part of the neighborhood, you know, they just got it rough. We're not, it's, you're either the victim or the victor, Pete. And we, we like to say that we're the victor mm. in everything that we face. And, uh, I mean, we, we're involved with kids, you know, throughout Charlotte here. We had one of the young men we were involved with, um, uh, that graduated from Harding High School and he went on to West Point to play football. Awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that's just incredible. So it's, you know, what can we do to move the needle? Um, it, the small victories count just as much as the big victories. Bart, I appreciate it, and uh, I, I uh, applaud the work that you are doing. Uh, you're making a difference in kids' lives, and that's uh, that's God's work. At WestBLVDMinistry.org, WestBoulevardMinistry.org is the website. Uh, thanks for uh, calling in, Bart. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Have a great day. All right, man, you too. Um, no, that's, uh, that's a great organization. I'm going to keep that website handy. Um, I will get to this piece at National Review in the next hour. It's the privilege hiding in plain sight. I've also got a bunch of emails that have come in as well. I will open up the mail sack and read them. I promise. But you know me. Promises about reading emails. No, but I will. I totally will. Up next. Stick around. Stick around.